Hi, I'm Alex. <laughs> Hi, and I'm Liz. And this is the research room, and uh, we finally have another guest that's not me. <laughs> Yay. Yay! I think we should all clap for that. Actually, like that's, we should. Um, <laughs> it's applause worthy. <laughs> exactly. Um, so today we have Dr. Annie Jung uh, to discuss a, a very relevant uh, paper today. Um, Oh, actually, I forgot our whole tagline. So uh, <laughs> let me, I'm, I'm going to keep this going, but I'm going to say it. Uh, so this is the research room and we are a space to make research by the people for the people. Um, oh, good. Sorry. You got that just, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Perfect So, uh, Annie, um, your paper here concerns for others increase the likelihood of vaccination against influenza and COVID-19 <laughs> more in sport, <laughs> sorry, more in sparsely rather than densely populated areas. Okay, Why is so that so long? That is, I know yeah. it's my own paper, but it's like every title. I still don't remember my title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm always surprised at how long mine are. Like, I can't, why did I think of a sentence that long? Um, okay, so uh, yeah, I, I think I'll just go ahead and hand it off to you, let you um, talk about this paper generally. Yeah, so um, maybe I can start with just a brief background. So, you know, just like any human behavior, vaccination decisions are very complex. You know, there are so many factors that influence people's decision to vaccinate. Um, And um, some of the reasons that's been identified in prior work that prevents people to vaccinate have been um, some personal reasons like, you know, their religious beliefs, they just don't trust vaccines, uh, they have less access to healthcare and, you know, all of these reasons. So what people, what researchers thought was, what if we make people to move away, you know, from these personal reasons and make them think about some other um, pro-social reasons for getting vaccinated? Like, oh, if you get vaccinated, you're going to help other people around you. You're going to stop the spread of the disease. So you're actually contributing to the greater good. Um, So, you know, these kind of pro-social emphasis of vaccination has been actually shown to be effective in increasing vaccination, but the results have been inconsistent. Um, So our first motive was to, um, if if the results are inconsistent, you know, what are these factors that moderate uh, the effects of these like pro-social communications about vaccination? Um, So in that sense, uh, we identify social density as, you know, one very important factor that influences whether people will vaccinate uh, to protect others or not. Um, And the general finding is that people are actually more willing to vaccinate for others when they live in less socially dense areas compared to socially dense areas like crowded metropolitan cities. So. Yeah, no, that was great. Uh, There's a lot that you said there. Oh, (laughs) did I ramble too much? No, no, not at all. No, it was a great, Uh, great intro there. Right, yeah, this is your time to speak. I'm very proud. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, okay, um, social density as a moderating factor. Can you unpack that a little bit? What does that actually mean? Um, What does it mean to, like, moderate uh, this this idea of uh, vaccination? 
So that just basically means that where people live will influence the extent to which people would be, you know, willing to vaccinate to protect others. Um, so that's the definition of what it means to moderate. Um, but if you have any follow-up questions on that, I can answer it. No, so uh, that's that's great. Um, so it'll influence the amount that people uh, might vaccinate, um, and this was for uh, flu uh, vaccine, right? And also COVID. And also for COVID, uh, for yeah. both. Okay, cool. Um, so I mean, it seems like you're pretty like well equipped in order to like make that kind of conclusion uh, because of just how huge this study was. Like you had people from all over the U.S. Um, in order to do this. It was a very representative sample. Um, so I guess I mean. I mean, would you feel comfortable uh, saying that like this is actually something that you can expect across America um, or are there things that we still need to be cautious about when um, trying to interpret this? Um, so I'm pretty much confident in the results um, themselves. Um, so there are several reasons why, uh, for example, it was a nationally representative sample, uh, meaning that the structure of a sample did reflect the actual structure of the United States in terms of you know, the proportion of gender, the proportion of ethnicity. Um, and also um, we used different indices of social density just to make sure that this is a consistent and reliable effect. For example, um, we used metropolitan status as one index of social density and also population density, and also the amount of urbanization um, in participants' residence. Um, so the results ourselves are, I would say, quite um, reliable, and it should, you know, um, reflect what's really going on in the United States. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that you're mentioning, you know, is um, social density. So that seems to be like a big factor, right, in the paper. Um, so can you explain, like, you know? why we would expect differences in vaccination uh, depending on that factor? Yeah, and I, I should also add to that. So um, in addition to what Liz asked, so what I mean by social density uh, is basically crowdedness of people's environment. We needed to come up with a more proper word for crowdedness. So we ended up going with social density, but social density basically means crowdedness. And um, given our research is really about uh, the social motivation to vaccinate, uh, we thought that um, any, if anything moderates this social motivation to vaccinate, it should be their social environment. So how many people um, in daily basis, how many, so on daily basis, how much people interact with others. You know, for example, if people live in crowded areas, they're, more likely to interact with more people versus not. So um, our original hypothesis was that um, people will actually be more motivated to vaccinate to protect others in crowded areas compared to less crowded areas because they interact with more people on a daily basis, right? Um, but as I said, we find the opposite effect. People are actually less likely to vaccinate in order to protect others in crowded places. 
So we're like, oh, this is interesting. Um, it's not Don't you love that it. with findings? It's like sometimes yeah. the opposite of what you expect, you know? Exactly. So that's why we had to test, you know, three indices of social density because, you know, we needed to make sure that this is like a reliable effect. Um, and, um, and because it was counterintuitive, uh, we also had to run additional experiments to actually find out what's going on. Um, so in these experiments, we actually manipulated social density and then, um, you know, measured several, you know, psychological um, items to get at the processes that goes on in people's minds. And what we find is that um, if people live or if people are exposed to crowded places, um, even though that doesn't really affect how much people care about others, it affects their perceptions of impact. So what I mean by that is that if, you know, there are so many other people around, um, around people, they feel like whatever they do to protect others will make, will just be like a drop in the bucket. Like why, what does it matter? You know, it's not going to make much difference in actually improving the community um, compared to people who live in and who are exposed to less crowded environments. Um, but I can follow up on that if you have any additional questions. I mean, I yeah, have questions, I mean, but I'm sure Alex yeah. is too. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, well, there's a lot of things I can ask. Yeah. So with the social density sort of thing, um, if it comes down to like impact, does it matter who uh, who is surrounding them? So uh, like, is it friends? Is it family? Is it strangers? Like, does any of that like matter? Because I would imagine like people imagine uh, people's uh, people in their lives and they might think that like they're going to make more impact uh, if it's a family member, or the, uh, if it's a friend uh, rather than a stranger. So like, can your results speak to any of that? Mm, I guess... Um... Given this whole, the mechanism finding were identified through experiments, in the experiments itself, we didn't really differentiate between like, oh, is it concern for family? Is it concern for friends? So I can't really provide like a satisfactory answer to your question. But then um, our first study, so the nationally representative, uh, big correlational study, in that study, um, we did have, you know, separate measures for, you know, um, your concerns about protecting your family or friends or uh, I think it was family, neighbors, co-workers and strangers. Um, we did find that, you know, generally the mean uh, people were on average more concerned about protecting their families, obviously, mm -hmm. than strangers. But then um, the pattern uh, did not di uh, differ. So what I mean by that is that even if we were just to analyze people's concerns for um, protecting their family, that concern uh, did motivate actual vaccination more in less crowded places than more crowded places. And this pattern was similar for across all you know, concerns for neighbors, concerns for coworkers, and also concerns for strangers. So um, I would say the pattern does not really uh, differ depending on who this pro-social concern is targeted to, um, mm -hmm. but it's not 100% conclusive because we didn't, uh, 
you know, separate them in the experiment itself. Yeah. I mean, it's a little good information that like, it, it doesn't necessarily matter. It's just this prosociality sort of thing. Like it's on average, it's the same effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now your results can't really speak to this, um, but I'm actually wondering, like you were talking about enclosed spaces and like how crowding's basically the same thing. Um, so there's been like a lot of news coverage lately about like uh, COVID outbreaks and prisons and like, you know, um, jails and like correctional facilities. So even though your data can't speak to this, do you think that um, it's within the realm of possibility that, you know, this could happen with like low pro sociality, high density? in like a setting such as that? Um, I definitely think it could be one contributing factor. Um, the reason I say this is that the effects of social density on the extent to which people are motivated to uh, vaccinate for others, this effect was even found when we tried to manipulate social density with very simple procedure. So, um, I'm guessing that, you know, social density in other environments, just like you said, like prisons um, could still influence um, this uh, pro-social motivation to vaccinate. Um, but, you know, there are several other things that goes on in prisons and, you know, other places, right? Maybe the quality of social interactions could be different and, you know, norms for a vaccination could also be different in these places. So um, I would say that if we really wanted to test if pro-social concern also has a differential effect in these environments, we need to control for, you know, unique factors that's, that um, functions in these environments as well. Definitely. Yeah. But it's cool to think about like other settings though, where this could actually still be relevant. So, mm. and I was actually thinking of schools um, you know, for example, you know, there's been a lot of reports of like how students um, don't socially distance enough. You know, they still go to parties when it's in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and usually schools are really crowded places, right? And I feel like the mechanism we identified could be in function in this kind of situation as well. You know, for example, if, you know, you're one in a million, you know, campus residents who can, you know, um, engage in social distancing, who can wear masks to make difference. It's like, am I really making a difference? There are so many other people who don't do it. Like, you know, would I doing something um, can actually contribute? So in that sense, I can totally, you know, resonate that students might be less motivated to wear masks, to socially distance, you know, for the sake of others, you know, in these environments. Especially now that the, the pandemic's like changing, you know, in terms of the course and trajectory of it. I mean, still recently though, people are like traveling, mm -hmm. everything has changed, even though we're still undergoing the pandemic, people yeah. are, some people are treating it as if it's not still happening. Not, not, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that can actually lower people's motivation to do something, you know, for the community, um, yeah. Yeah, I think especially if people are thinking like, if this pandemic, this pandemic is over, like, what impact am I going to have now at this point, right? Mm, like, yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, so frustrating. Um, <laughs> it is. <laughs> wear your mask, people. Uh, Even if you're vaccinated yes. and you're in a big place, maybe you should wear it. Okay, that's we my note. We should be wearing masks to sh show some examples <laughs> right now, actually. Then they can't hear us, though. I mean. <laughs> well, we can shout. 
<laughs> over our mass. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So it's not necessarily that the level of prosociality is is different in these areas. Um, mm. It's the this level of impact uh, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so is that something that like we can we can teach people? Like, do you think that's like some way that we can actually like make an intervention? To, like, uh, and this maybe this is sort of what you were saying already. That, like in in the school setting, if we can teach kids like, hey, like you are still going to have an impact. It doesn't matter what your friends are doing. Like you like you could save the lives of like five people, ten people, a hundred people like this virus it, it spreads uh, in an in, in exponential fashion which I, I kind of didn't want to say because like that's another one of your findings but like <laughs> um, no that's not my finding I mean yeah you didn't find out that yeah. that thing but yeah. you, how people perceive it <laughs> yeah yes yeah yeah um so I mean I guess yeah like would you say that this is mostly a a learned kind of behavior and like is this something that you think is um is it easier to learn it when you're in that rural kind of setting and you like you you know uh these people that are around you and so like you you see them as people you know that like you know what their lives are like you know what their daily routines are you know mm. that like you'll have an impact right um as opposed to like all these other people like you, maybe you meet with 100 people a day but like you don't know anything about them like you just know that they exist mm. um sorry i said a lot of things there no but... <laughs> no but you raised a really good point because um so there is a very important finding, especially in the pro-social domain, that like mm. identifiability really matters mm. in terms of like in perceptions of impact. So, you know, this explains a lot of things. For example, people, you know, donate to this one, you know, dying kid with a picture compared to like thousands of people who are still dying somewhere in the world. So mm. that kind of very like visual saliency and like identifiability can definitely increase perceptions of impact and I do think that you know just like Alex said like in large cities you definitely come across a lot of people but like they're just random people you know they're always there you know you hardly interact with them you don't know who they are so you know increasing the identifiability um, could definitely increase perceptions of impact um that could be one um thing definitely um i'm trying to think of other ways to increase perceptions of impact um and i'm thinking one is that these are all perceived they're not you know mm. real right mm -hmm. um but um in reality you know if you even look at the statistics of how virus spreads it spreads much more rapidly and like you said exponentially in more crowded places so if people know this that this is the real you know situation um, that in the real life they're actually making more impact by vaccinating to protect others um, I think that could be one intervention for people you know living in large cities yeah who think yeah. that they don't make a difference no, you are chock full of interventions and it's great. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe my last question, unless Liz, do you have a question? I mean, I have something that I uh, sure. was thinking about. So sure. do you know anything about like specific factors? So, I mean, does like the do demographics matter in terms of that? Like say in like a mm. big city, um, mm. could it be the case that people are more likely if they perceive, like you're talking about perception, um, could it be like 
certain demographics, they are similar to these people. So then they're going to have that perception. Like, I'm just thinking of like bystander research and things like that, where you're more likely to help somebody if they're like similar to you. Um, so I don't know, similar demographics. Mm. Yeah. So we definitely thought about that. Actually, we were wondering when we first found, you know, the effect that we found, we, um, first thought it could be like the ethnic diversity in large cities, you know, because there are so many people who are dissimilar from you. Maybe right. that's, you know, that makes people less motivated to vaccinate, to protect people around them. Uh, but we didn't find um, that, you know, diversity index to have any impact on um, people's motivation, hmm. uh, pro-social motivation to vaccinate. So um, it could be, but at least in our findings, I don't think that is a alternative explanation, but um, maybe future research can try doing that. Your next study, you can uh, tell us the answer. <laughs> no, I want to, I, I don't want to do this anymore. No, I'm it's okay. Kidding. Okay. Somebody else, somebody else in this field can give us the answer very, and they can come on here. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe my next study, um, but that's an interesting question though. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's such a good point. Um, like, so there, there's probably other factors, right? It's not just pro-sociality and the things that like might change pro-sociality. Like, obviously other things matter, right? I mean, unless you disagree, like maybe pro-sociality is the most important thing. <laughs> Do you um, think that? <laughs> no, I don't think that at all. I think pro-sociality, um, no, I don't think that at all. I don't, I don't know how I should add, add to that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer yeah. just saying hey honestly i don't think so <laughs> oh but there's this uh one interesting finding that i wanted to point out um mm. in terms of like you know what are what could be other factors that make people um you know be more concerned about others in general uh especially in the vaccination context and what we found was that the more people know about vaccines and how vaccines work there will be, there is higher likelihood that they also care about protecting others from the vaccine. Um, and I'm guessing that is because the more you know about vaccines, the more you become aware that getting vaccinated is not only a personal decision, but also a social one, um, because by getting vaccinated, you're also protecting others. So, um, you know, educating more about vaccines and, you know, how, what kind of functions vac getting vaccination has um, could be one way to increase, you know, people's concerns, uh, general concerns about protecting others through get getting vaccination. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was one interesting thing. Yeah, that's such an important point. Like, I, I think people that might have vaccine hesitancy, like, I mean, there's, there's plenty of like valid reasons for that. Um, and one of them is definitely like the right, like you're, you're infringing on like my privacy, you're infringing on my health, you're infringing on like my, my decision-making, things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, which is like, yeah, that's, that's super valid. Um, but then like the choice to not vaccinate, that's you now infringing on other people's like health, right? Like, mm -hmm. because you could potentially be spreading the virus. Um, so it's like, I mean, it's important for you. It's just as important for other people. Um, so we have to like, we have to be in this together, right? Uh, 
Exactly. Do you, uh, well, I guess I, I wanted to ask, like, how do you do that? But, like, Annie already had answers to that. So, <laughs> <laughs> did I? Yeah, you oh, have okay. your like 10 interventions that you're going to run soon. <laughs> We're waiting for the answers. We want to know if they work. So, oh, mm-hmm. I'm going get to on board with it. Oh, <laughs> no pressure. To sleep. <laughs> um, so, I guess on that note, um, is there one last thing that you would like to say to the public? Uh, what is your final word on all this? Um, I feel like people are getting less tired of like, it's been the COVID has been like going on for so long right now. And it's the vaccines are here. And, you know, people are starting to think that they there's really no more need, you know, to wear masks and, you know, even getting vaccinated because 50% of the US population is vaccinated already. Some people are like, why should I get vaccinated? Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many people who can protect others and themselves. Um, and I want to say that, uh, you know, some of the reasons for this less adherence to like preventive behaviors is perhaps like people have began to think that they're making less impact in terms of like stopping the pandemic Mm -hmm. and like making the situation better but there's still much room um that's what i want to say and you know um you know even people might feel like their behavior is like a drop in the bucket like you know a drop in the bucket like a thousand times that's going to make us still make a big impact Mm -hmm. um so you know, it's not too, still too late to go and get vaccinated. <laughs> so <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe that no. could be one last comment. Ah, that's such a nice, optimistic last comment. Uh, so much better than anything <laughs> I've ever said. Or I've said, so. <laughs> See, public health. This is public he- uh, health in action, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many that will encourage people to go and get vaccinated, but we'll see. (laughs) Maybe, maybe our entire viewership are unvaccinated people and we'll have a hundred percent vaccination rate after this. (laughs) Give us a shout out too. give us a comment or something on our page to let us know if you got vaccinated because of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be so say. rewarding if people were moved by our podcast um, mm-hmm. to get vaccinated. <laughs> Annie made me do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. No, thank you. Thank you for all of your insight. Uh, Dr. Annie Jung, uh, talking about uh, vaccination stuff, super pertinent to our lives right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot that <laughs> we had a pre-pandemic life. Uh, so <laughs> that was also a nice <laughs> reminder. Um, I guess as far as like what's coming up, um, we, we will be having, um, uh, Liz, uh, you're going to be talking again here. Yeah. About, uh, about donor conception stuff in the next couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah. Very, uh, very exciting. Exciting. Yes. Um, and a nice change of pace as well. Uh, we're, we're going to keep switching it up as far as topics go. Uh, we have, we have a lot of knowledge to share with people. <laughs> Eventually, it won't be just our knowledge. We'll have other people and you know Share talk about their, their knowledge. knowledge. As well. yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, tune in for that uh, if you're interested at all in in donor conception. <clears throat> and um, other than that, we have uh, other things on the radar that are coming out. Uh, we still post something every weekday, Monday through Friday, uh, on all of our social media. Uh, so feel free to check us out on Room for Research uh, uh, on everything: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. 
Pinterest if you really want to. All Tumblr. the things. <laughs> All the things. YouTube. Everything. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> everything everywhere. And if you haven't yes. subscribed everywhere, we're pitching. Subscribe to everything. We would appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's our website too, uh, roomforresearch.com. Uh, feel free to take a visit there. Um, there is some exclusive content on there already, which, uh-oh. Um, uh, maybe I actually shouldn't make it exclusive. <laughs> and, like, just put it on social media as well. <laughs> but right now it is until I actually uh, make an announcement. Um, and we should note everything's free. Yes, everything yeah, is free. free. Absolutely. Yes. I don't think I've ever said that here. <laughs> <laughs> That's so important that people know. Yeah. <laughs> everything is free. Yes, please. Um, if you're interested, we want to give you free stuff. Um, all right. So with that, uh, thank you all uh, for <laughs> coming today. And we'll see you next week. All right. Bye, everyone. See you. Bye for now. With the sun. Thank you.